All right, the big news today, Constable James Forcillo arrested for breaching bail conditions. He was convicted of, of attempted murder in relation to the shooting death of 18-year-old Sammy Yatim. Uh, back in July 2013, he is awaiting uh, his appeal, and he was out on bail. Not on bail right now. He's kind of under arrest. Uh, the details are still, uh, they're being quite tight-lipped on the details, but Anna Maria uh Anna Nager is a criminal defense lawyer, and she's a partner with Ruby Schiller and Anna Nager, and she's joining the show right now. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here, because I'm, I'm hoping we can get a legal expert to talk a little bit about the uh, bail conditions. I just want to run down them right now. Uh, the conditions of his release as of July 2016 were uh, $510,000 deposit. You have to have good behavior. Report to the Provincial Special Investigations Unit on the first Tuesday of each month. To live with his surety, who happens to be his ex-wife. Uh, prohibition to possess a weapon. Uh, prohibition to travel outside the country. Prohibition to communicate with the Yatim family. You have to visit a police officer at 6 p.m. the day before his appeal hearing. And this is the uh, uh, bail condition that we believe he breached. Notify the authorities of any change of address in 24 hours of less. I would assume that means leaving the house? Uh, well, a change of address is actually a change of a residential address. Interesting. Not, um, a place where one is particularly placed at a, at a certain moment. So this is really, this kind of condition really goes to whether or not he is moving, mm. um, not whether or not he is staying with somebody um, overnight. Okay. In fairness, the bail conditions that we, we uh, grabbed were, uh, we translated them from French off uh, Radio Canada, I believe. And so there's not a lot of um, English stories that are reporting the bail conditions. So if, it, if there was a condition in the bail, would it be normal to say that you would have to stay uh, in your residence in in his situation, would he be monitored with some sort of bra- ankle bracelet or uh, would he just have to let people know where he was going? Well, um, I don't think that there was an ankle bracelet condition attached to his particular terms of release. Okay. But I do think that there was what is colloquially called a house arrest condition. And this, um, what you've just read about notifying the authorities of change of address may actually be a mistranslation of that um, house arrest condition. Okay. And it may have been an inadvertent or um, intentional breach of that specific condition. Now, house arrest conditions usually are um, a require somebody to stay um, at a particular residence or location for most of the hours of the day and there's usually carved out of carved out exceptions for allowing them to visit their council or to go for counseling um, or other such things but the hours are quite specific um, with respect to those uh, uh, those exceptions so someone could have seen him on the street and said this is ridiculous and reported it to be as simple as that that could have happened. However, in a lot of these cases, um, the breaches are inadvertent. Someone is coming back from a counseling session and they may have missed um, uh, the bus or missed a ride and they come home 30 minutes after their bail terms require them to be in their home. In, those, in these sorts of cases, yes, they will be reported, but it's very rare for the police to waste their resources in prosecuting that kind of inadvertent breach because there has to be a mental element to this kind of offense in order to go forward and charge somebody with the offense of uh, failing to comply with their conditions. So they have to have intentionally done so. So if this was somebody, uh, if this is indeed the term um, that he is alleged to have been breaching on, um, it must have been something more significant than merely him being seen outside of his house, uh, Mm -hmm. let's say at 8.05 when his his house arrest conditions or his curfew uh, required him to be at home by 8.00. 
Hey, I would just uh, coming in from the newsroom right now, uh, Anna Maria and Kelly. One of the uh, stories that we're working on right now seems to be that he wanted out of the house with his surety, who was his ex-wife. You can imagine that probably wasn't a comfortable house to be in. Mm. And he was intending on informing the courts on Thursday, but it looks like he was trying to actually change that address and move out of his ex-wife's house. Um, and, and that's where the uh, that's the sticking point that they're they've got them on. So this is this is, applies directly to that notify the authorities of any change of address in 24 hours or less. Exactly, and that would be so he's according to the terms of his breach required to live in a particular address with his surety, who is his ex-wife. Um, as you mentioned, that may have caused some tension or may have been a difficult living situation. And like with other individuals who face these kinds of conditions, they're looking for a way to um, make that condition more manageable for themselves. Now he probably found an address. Um, the way that the terms are are uh, the way that you you've uh, stated the terms. He had to notify the authority within 24 the authorities within 24 hours or less of having changed his official address um, and I'm surprised that that would have been the reason for a breach because um, it's generally something that um, your lawyer would have taken care of by just sending an, an, a, a letter advising the police it's just a notification requirement advising the police of that so if that's what we're speculating that, that the breach is on um, I, I find that quite strange we have you know speaking of strange I think when we heard that uh, constable for Silo's, uh bail conditions uh, you know, were breached today, we started to wonder what they were. How rare is it that someone would be convicted of attempted murder and be out on bail while they waited for appeal? Um, is it unique to it, him? I, I don't think it's unique to him. I think... Um, just relatively speaking, it is a unique it is a unique occurrence for somebody um, to be convicted of an offense as serious as attempted murder um, and be allowed to uh, to have bail pending appeal. Bail pending appeal is not something that is uncommon, um, but usually the offenses are not as serious. I think what sort of swayed towards release in this case was the Court of Appeals' opinion that this is an incredibly unique case, and I think a quote from the Court of Appeal was that they've never seen anything um, like a, a case such as this before, um, in that the there were some they this was a very unique uh, strategy for appeal, um, and there was some confusion um, on the part of the public about whether or not um, the the charges could have been put to the jury the, the way that they were. So this is a unique question that's going before the Court of Appeal on a very serious charge, um, and that's why we get ourselves in this situation to begin with. Um, I think we also have to uh, recognize that uh, when people are um, have are, are greater resources, um, or they're wealthy, uh, they're more likely to get these kinds of bails. Um, as you mentioned earlier, he put in uh, almost a, a, over half a million dollar deposit mm-hmm. for his bail. Not everyone is in a position to do that, but having that kind of, of financial support and having the support of his family um, makes a person who is an accused, and in this case, an actual convicted um, individual, more likely to get bail because it reassures the court they're more likely to comply with their t- conditions. Is he likely to get his bail reinstated now that he's been arrested for breaking uh, one of the conditions of his bail? It's, it's difficult to know without understanding the context of that breach. It may be that that breach was inadvertent and didn't go directly to the heart of the concerns that was raised by, that were raised by the Crown when they attempted to oppose this kind of bail, um, which were that it was not in the public interest to have him uh, be released, and, and as well that there, um, 
that there's this, the seriousness of the offense uh, would would go against releasing him. Um, if this was he was if one of the terms was prohibition of possession of a weapon. Mm-hmm. If we found out that he was prohi- that he was prohibited from fi- from uh, possessing a weapon and and that the nature of, of his breach related to a weapon, that might be um, that he may have a, a much um, higher hurdle to cross in trying to get himself out again um, relative to if this was an inadvertent breach as a result of breaching his curfew or something like that. Um, there are, or he reported uh, the first Wednesday of each month as opposed to the first Tuesday of mm-hmm. each month. So it really depends on the nature of the breach and how, how um, deeply it goes to the, to the core concerns that the court has about whether or not this person should be out in public. He's going to spend his first night in jail tonight. He is. He's, uh, from from all the from all the uh, the reporting that I have I've heard that that may be a distinct possibility. Well, Anna Maria, I really appreciate your time today because you've made uh, you've made sense of something that is uh, well, it's just very hard for the average person to wrap their heads around. So I really appreciate you being on the show today.